Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 31. We've taken a a week away from our series on on 1 John as we uh, focus this week on the sanctity of life. In 1973, uh, abortion on demand was made legal by the Supreme Court ruling on January the 22nd, Roe versus Wade. Since 1984, churches that stand for uh, the biblical view of the sanctity of life uh, have celebrated uh, that uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, either before or after uh, the, the anniversary of that ruling. And uh, I, I want to emphasize, uh, this is not a political issue. This is a biblical issue. God has spoken on it. And so we, we must listen to him. Today I want to take you to a, a passage I have preached on this many times, but I want to take you to a passage that you may not necessarily relate to uh, the life issues, but I am convinced of its relevance. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. We begin with verse 13 in Job 31. If I have rejected the cause of my manservant or maidservant when they brought a complaint against me, what then shall I do when God rises up, when he makes inquiry? What shall I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us in these few moments to listen to what you have said. You saw fit to preserve this. And so, Lord, will you illumine our hearts to grasp understanding that can come only from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Last last week, our, our country recognized the birthday of Martin Luther King. And we could not read a passage like Job 31 without acknowledging the issue of slavery that is spoken here, of here in uh, this passage. What we need to understand is that that although slavery was uh, assumed in that day, in that culture, Uh, The seeds, the seeds are sown in this passage 
that would ultimately, eventually explode slavery as an institution. And those seeds are planted in the womb. That's, that's what he says here. Job says, if, if I ignore or despise the grievance of my servants, God will call me to account and I will be guilty before him. God's involved. And, and that's why human justice, whether in slavery or racism or life issues, is considered. It is crucial for the Christian to deal with it because God is involved and he will call to account those who are his creation. And Job knew that. Before I go any farther, I want to begin this sermon the way that I typically do at the end of sermons uh, pertaining uh, to abortion or on the sanctity of life. And that is in, in speaking to those of you who have been involved in abortion in any way. I, I've been speaking on these issues uh, my whole ministry, inside and outside the church. I have never once spoken on these issues where there hasn't been, and this is inside and outside the church, where there hasn't been one or more and sometimes many who have been involved either having had an abortion, encouraged an abortion, or didn't stop an abortion when they had an opportunity to do so. Now, if that's the case with you, I know these sermons are hard to hear. I know. That's why I always emphasize this. If you have been involved in abortion in any way, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There is an answer for your guilt feelings. There is grace for you. And God's grace is sufficient for you. You can believe that. And if you find yourself there and you don't understand what I just said, I would love to speak with you further about this. Let's see how this passage speaks to the issues of the sanctity of life. In Job 31 verse 15, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? What we see, first of all, is that what we are before birth is what we are. What we are before birth is what we are. Now, that may sound so obvious to you, 
You may say, well, why'd you even have to say that out loud? Well, that's a radical statement in our day. There is no consensus in our world that that is the case. Perhaps there was a day when there was a, a consensus that life began at conception. I'm not here to debate whether that day ever existed. It doesn't really matter whether or not man has ever had a consensus on that issue. What matters is when God says life begins. That's what matters. In this passage, uh, Job traces uh, the slaves' rights, not back to when they were born, but back to the womb before birth. Now, Job is wealthy. He's well-to-do. And yet, he is making the argument that his servants have as much value in terms of personhood as he does based on the fact that God made us both in the womb. He made me, he made them. And, he's, and that's a basis for equality in terms of personhood. His concern for justice for his slaves uh, was that uh, we, were, we were both in the womb and that's the ground of our inalienable uh, rights. They're given by God. They're not given by a constitution or any country. They're given by God because he's the creator. We weren't one thing uh, the day before our birth and another thing the day we were born. Now, scientifically, we're human beings by virtue of our genetic makeup. The human code in the, in the chromosomes is there from the start. We are utterly different from uh, animals, uh, from monkeys or rats or elephants. As, as soon as the, the egg meets the sperm, as soon as there's conception, what we are before birth is what we are. Secondly, there's a fundamental equality between humans. Again, verse 15, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? So in, in talking about uh, slaves and himself, he's making the case uh, that they are, they are equal because they're both dependent uh, creatures not self-sufficient. We're not absolute. We owe all we are to God. That equality is true between the born and the unborn according to God. Now, let me tell you why I say that. We see in God's word uh, uh, the same word being used for a child before birth and a child after birth. In other words, God, God sees them as the same. You can see in the outline these verses. I will just read them to you. Um, but, but let me explain what I mean. In, in the Old Testament, uh, there is a Hebrew word uh, that, that uh, is, is translated uh, children or child. 
And uh, in Exodus 21, 22, it says, when men strive together, that means when they're fighting, uh, and hit a pregnant woman so that her children, that's the word, keep that in mind, so that her, her children um, come out, but there's no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband and, and uh, shall impose on him, he shall pay as the judges determine. So there, that word is used for a, a prenatal, preborn child is called a, a child in that way. In the same chapter, we see that word used for a child that has already been born. Not still in the womb, but has already been born. In Exodus 21, 4, if his master gives him a wife and she bears his sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be the master's and he shall go out alone. So in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the same word is used for a child who is still in the womb as is used for a child that is already born. You get the point? You see? There's a continuity. It's not uh, once you're, you're born, you're called this, but before that, you're something else. God even uses the same Term. In the New Testament, same thing. Uh, Luke 1, 41. Uh, this is prenatal. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Verse 44. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's a specific word, brephos, over an axe. Chapter 7, we see that same word used for those that have already been born. In verse 19 of Acts 7, it says, He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants. Same word. So that they would not be kept alive. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see the same word being used for the preborn, the, the prenatal, and the postnatal, those that are born. That's how God looks at it. He's the creator. He gets to decide. Now here's some other thoughts about equality, which are sometimes used as to, to why the, the fetus does not have equal rights to the mother or, or father. Um, well, they're so little, uh, you know, especially at one point, they're just barely a, a, a speck. The size of a human is irrelevant to human personhood. We know that because we don't, we don't make a, a one-month-old baby outside the womb vulnerable to killing, even though it's much smaller than the one-year-old or the five-year-old. Littleness is irrelevant to personhood. Some say, well, humanness is defined by, by reasoning power. Developed reasoning power cannot be the criterion of personhood. 
we know that, again, the one-month-old baby outside the womb does, doesn't have those powers either. Yet, its life is not in jeopardy because he or she can't reason. There are those with special needs. There are those who are mentally challenged. They are fully human and precious in God's sight. And there are those at the other end of life when sometimes in the elderly that reasoning ability is no longer there. They are still human, precious in God's sight. Others might even concede that uh, um, they're not equally human, but but uh, they're equally human, rather, but that the mother's rights must not be ignored. There's a principle in injustice that when two legitimate rights conflict, say the woman's right not to be pregnant and the baby's right not to be killed, the right that should be limited is the one that would do the most harm. And that will always tip in favor of the child. Jared Wilson said, no law can be just if its, if it's justice for one is predicated on injustice to another. The, the third thing we, we see about the sanctity of life, again, verse 15, is that God's creation determines value, not the mother or father. Same verse. Here, what we need to notice is that Job doesn't pay any attention to what the parents contribute to his conception or his slaves' conception. Some might argue, well, Job, you're, you're a landowner. You're wealthy. You have divine rights as the offspring of a free man and woman to be the master and your, your servants because they're born slaves. They're destined to be slaves. But Job pays no attention to that argument because it's not about the the seed of the mother or the seed of the father at all as if the parents were decisive here. He says, God made me in the womb. He made that servant in the womb as well. God is at work making Job and the same God is at work making that servant. Now, don't underestimate how important that view is. What it means is that what's going on in the womb is first and foremost and crucially the work of God. So it's, it's good to study and to understand, appreciate all the intricacies uh, of the development of uh, a fetus, means little one. We can, we can marvel at the, the pictures of the biological development. But with all of that, we must not miss the, the central and essential and crucial thing. And that is that what's happening there, this is God's work. Now, there's numerous reasons that a, abortion is wrong. But we mustn't miss the fact 
that it's wrong because it's an assault on the person-forming work of God. You assault that little one, you're assaulting that little one's creator. It's an attack on God. As I said earlier, uh, this passage is talking about slaves. So why use that pertaining to uh, uh, abortion and the unborn? Because his arguments for the, the slaves puts forth the same principles as arguments for preserving the life of the unborn. The same arguments for taking care of those that are already born, like we heard earlier today. And the same arguments for taking care of the elderly at the end of life. The same principles apply to all of life. Namely, there's a continuity of what we are in the womb and what we are today. And therefore, there's inherent value for those in the womb. And the value is because she or he is a creative work of God made in God's image. We need to take note of one other thing. And that is the the context of these verses is this. Job is trembling because he knows he is accountable for for treatment of his servants. All the things that we've talked about today are the reasons why he is accountable, and he knows that. So basically, he's saying, what will my answer be? Verse 14, if I have denied justice to my men servants and maid servants when they had a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? And that's a question for us. What will we answer? We will be called to account for what we know, what God has revealed. What is God calling you to do in these areas? Maybe it is praying regularly for the organizations that we heard about today and others that are in the business of the sanctity of life. Maybe it's financially supporting, a a life-supporting organization. Maybe God is calling you to, to become active in resisting abortion or active again in doing that if that is a part of your calling in the past. Maybe God is calling you to be a foster parent. Maybe he's calling you to adoption. Maybe he's calling you to to help care for the elderly who are in need as well, or something else that I haven't mentioned. I can't tell you. I can 
tell you that it is important to God. He wants us to stand and and to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's the pursuit of justice. And he calls us to do it when it will impact our lives. And it is then that it shows a true conviction for justice. Let's pray. Lord, for the times we have been prayerless about the evils of abortion, will you forgive us? For the times maybe we've marched in in a a pro-life march and felt better, but did little the rest of the year to protect the unborn. For the times we've voted for our own comfort or gain and ignored that the one that will help us does not stand for the unborn. Will you forgive us? For the times that that we've looked away from the handicapped or the deformed and thus unwittingly treated them as less than image bearers of God. For the times that we've not supported those who adopt or do foster care. For the times we've made our comfort zone the limit of our commitment Will you forgive us, Lord, and give us strength to stand and speak and sacrifice because you love life. Give us a love that drives us to action. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.